<laughs> you survived half a week. Woohoo! <laughs> yes, on Sunday. Glory to God. Well, Pastor Mike's back in the house, as everybody can see. We're so thrilled about that. And uh, we're ready to tackle Revelations chapter 9, maybe 10. We'll see. And uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how far we get. <laughs> yeah, yeah nine, chapter 9 was uh, battle. <laughs> Well, if Michael, Pastor Michael and I debated ahead of time, you don't have to debate it in the church. Glory to God. So let's do our confession tonight, and uh, we'll pray and get right into the Word. We hold up our Bible. It doesn't do a thing for God, but it does do something for us. It lets us and the devil know that we know what this wonderful book is. So let's confess this and get it down on the inside. Even if it's not true today, just confess it, and it will become true eventually in your life. Ready? This is my Bible. It is always true and a final authority. My Bible is God talking to me. I read this word daily. I meditate on this word day and night. This word is rooted and grounded in my heart. This word feeds and grows my spirit. Therefore, my flesh does not control me. I walk according to the Spirit. I am a child of God. I have the mind of Christ. God's thoughts are my thoughts. God's words are my words. God's actions are my actions. I am a doer of the Word. Amen, amen, amen. It takes time for that to be your reality. But if you'll keep working at it, you'll arrive eventually. Glory to God. Well, Pastor Mike, you want to pray? All right. <laughs> we ate before we preached. That's not a good plan. <laughs> right here in our midst and we come expecting to hear from you oh there's my voice <laughs> we come expecting to hear from you tonight we come expecting to to, to hear the words yes, that you have just right you, for us thank at you, this God. time and in this place that will help us to grow closer to you lord we thank you for your leading and your guiding and we thank you for your revelations in jesus thank you, name. Thank you father thank you thank you thank you father well, we're going to start right off in Revelations chapter 9 tonight. If Zach will come. Zach, i got an assignment for you again. One more time. If you did not get last week's notes, let Zach know. He's got a few extra copies there if they need it. And then we have notes for tonight. Notes for tonight. All right. The notes for tonight, uh, the first half of the first quarter of it is just a reboot. It's just a, a re, we just kind of re-summarized the tail end of last week's notes. Um, and then uh, I actually went in and I put in this week uh, some of the stuff out of Daniel chapter 9. Uh, we saw in Daniel chapter 9 verse 2, it says, In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, talking about um, one of the kings, uh, I, Daniel, understood the books of numbers of years. Whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in desolation of Jerusalem. So 
basically what Daniel was saying is he understood that when Jeremiah talked about the 70 years, he understood that that was what we would call ha uh, heptides of time. Um, and uh, so then when the angel Gabriel came uh, to answer Daniel's prayer, uh, the angel spoke uh, in, in reference to the heptide, which is a period of seven years. A heptide is a period of seven years. Um, technically, from a, from a um, what's the study of plants called? Botany. Uh, from botany, if a plant has, like if a, plant, if, a, if, a seed, if a seed pod of a plant has little can, has little, have you ever seen them? I know in my irises they have like little pods that you open and there's like a, a little chamber for each individual seed. They call that, they call that a heptide pod because it's got individual chambers for, for little groups of seeds. So in this situation, uh, weeks is a heptide of time, which is in each little chamber of time contains a period of seven years. So in Daniel chapter... Sure, that's not a heptad. Heptad, I'm sorry. Heptad. Because heptad pods, would, that's a different I, thing. Uh, obviously, I spoke <laughs> it wrong. Heptad, it's printed right. Thank you for correcting me. Heptad... <laughs> Uh, no, I truly, because I, I kept going, that doesn't sound right. Anyways, in Daniel uh, 9, 24 through 27, it talks about the 70 weeks. And so what that means is there would be 70, 70 little pods of time, and each pod would be seven years. And so I went through and I highlighted the most important parts of this, and I'm not going to break it down. You can read it for yourself. Uh, but really... What happens, and I explain what a heptad is, and basically I do the little math for you and show you that we have seven years left to go. Seven years left to go on what uh, the angel came and told Daniel. Okay? And, uh, and he explains, Gabriel explains, um, that after 483 years that the Messiah would be cut off that is the crucifixion of Christ, and that stops the clock on the 490 years. It stops that clock uh, on the 490 years until such time as the church is called away. Uh, if you go back and you look in Daniel, look at Daniel 9.24, you'll see that I have, uh, it says, and he shall confess. Firm. Actually, let's read verse 26, 27. Let's read this whole thing. And it says, after three score and two weeks, that's the 483 years, 400 and, uh, 434 years, because you got the 49 years and you got the 434 years. So after that, uh, so after three score and two, three score and two weeks, so that's 62 times seven, 434. Uh, shall the Messiah be cut off? So Jesus is cut off. That's where he's, um, that's the crucifixion. But not of himself, not of himself. And notice what it says. There's a colon which gives us an explanation. The colon that gives us an explanation says this. It says, and the people of the prince, the people of the prince, a prince is a ruler, a governor or a ruler, Okay. It says, and the people of the prince shall come um, 
uh, that come shall destroy. So there's going to be a people, listen to me, there's going to be a people that are going to come that, that, that follow the, the prince or the governor of this world. Or the prince that has come to destroy. There's going to be a people that follow him. And there's going to be a people that does his bidding. And, it's, and the reason that they come is so that they can destroy the city of Jerusalem and the sanctuary. This has to do with Revelations because in Revelations it talks about Jerusalem being destroyed. It talks about the temple being destroyed. It talks about uh, not, not only the city but the sanctuary being destroyed. And it says, and the end thereof shall be a flood. In Revelations, as we get down through here, you'll see where it talks about the dragon sending a flood upon the city. This is, this is the type and shadow of it here. And on to the end of the war, desolations are determined. So at the end of the seven years of what we call the Great Tribulation, basically what's going to, come, what's going to happen is Jerusalem specifically is going to come to total desolation. Because there's going to be not only a physical world, uh, war there, but there will also, that's also going to be the place that Jesus himself and Satan are going to uh, handle each other. I should say Jesus is going to handle Satan. Satan thinks he's going to war. Jesus is coming to obtain the final victory. And that all happens in Jerusalem. Uh, and that's why, uh, that's why we need to pay attention to what's happening in Jerusalem because what's going on in Israel and Jerusalem is a sign that we're getting very close to the church being called out of here. Okay? So that's why you have to understand Daniel. All right. So it goes through and we explain all of that. Then last week I talked about, and again, you got your notes right here. Last week I talked about um, that there's three types of death in the Bible. Three types of death. The first death is, well, is, is physical death. Um, and the Father God, I didn't put it, I didn't put it in here, God. Uh, how much you know Jesus is God? How much you know the Holy Spirit is God? Uh, and the Holy Spirit inspired the scriptures, and the Holy Spirit only says what Jesus says. And Jesus only says okay. what the Lord says. And Jesus only says what the Lord says. So uh, here, so I said Jesus and the Holy Spirit because these are scriptures. In Matthew 9.24, Matthew 9.24, let's go look at this real quick. We're going to look at these real quick because you need to see these. In order to get chapter 9, you have to have these, you have to understand these. Or you are not going to understand Revelations chapter 9. Matthew 9.24 says this. He said unto them, Give place, for the maid is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. This is Jairus' daughter. They went... Uh, J Jairus came and asked Jesus to save his daughter. His daughter was at the point of death. When he arrives, when he gets there, there's a big, they're all weeping, they're all wailing, they're making this huge to-do, they're all distraught, because as far as they can tell, Jairus' daughter is dead. And Jesus, and look at what Jesus said. Jesus said, uh, give place for the maid is not dead, but she sleepeth. But she sleeps. Now, go to Mark chapter 5. Go to Mark chapter 5. In verse 39. 
He's got a cheat. Well, y'all have cheat sheets too. Right. <laughs> Mark five thirty nine. And look at what he said. And so Mark, this is Mark's account of the same thing. Let's see what Mark, what Mark, how Mark recorded it. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. Again, he's questioning, why are y'all all upset? Why are y'all torn up? Listen, we can learn something about this. When your loved ones that are born again, spirit, that are born again, they, they've made Jesus the Lord of their life, there is no reason to get distraught, upset, and sad. There's not. Now, I know that's a hard concept. I was in that place, too. A couple years ago, I was at camp. Brother Chris was, we were standing there, and we were talking, and uh, Brother Chris, they had had somebody go home, and I said, oh, I'm so sorry. He said, yeah, I'm still kind of getting through it. And he said, but I'll tell you what. He said, I look forward to the day that I can get to where uh, Pastor Michael is. It's another minister that we know. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, he said, uh, when Reverend um, Dufresne went home, uh, read, uh, Reverend Ed Dufresne, which was a, which was a mighty prophet uh, in his day, he said, when he went, to home, he went home to heaven, Pastor Michael said this. He said, it took me 10 minutes to get past his home going, and I was mad about it. And I looked at him, and I said, 10 minutes? You were distraught and upset for only 10 minutes, and that made you mad? And I said, are you kidding me? I said, Pastor Michael really said that? He said, yeah. And I said, how could he say that? He said, well, he said, I wondered the same thing. He said, Pastor Michael said, it's a time to rejoice. It's not a time to be sad. He went home to heaven. He said, I have nothing to sorrow. He said, my spiritual father's still aware of my spiritual state. He's still spiritually taking care of me. He's in my future. He's not in my past. He's walking in the best position of life he's ever walked in. I should actually rejoice for him, not be sad over him. True, and I thought, And I thought, man, I got some work to do. It is true that we can rejoice for them, but we are sad right. when we lose our loved ones. Right. But here's the deal. There's a spirit of grief or a demon of grief that if you live into it, it'll grab a hold of you, and you will walk in that grief, and that grief will bring depression and all kinds of issues onto your life, depression, anxiety, worry, and fear. And so by not giving into that grief, by staying joyful, you ward off that demon. So I thought, so I, I got to meditating on this thing. Because I thought, well, I got some work to do. Because when somebody goes home, I'm kind of just distraught. Boy, I tell you what, though. When my aunt went home last year, this time last year, I understood it completely. I grabbed a hold of it like there was no tomorrow. Because right up to 24 to 36 hours before she stepped over into eternity, she was headed to hell. And I had something to be distraught over. But when she, get, when she informed, when there was an atmospheric change... You could sense it in the spirit. You could sense that there was a change. Mom and I looked at each other and said, uh, did she receive Jesus? This is weird. And the next day she told Mom, she said, you can go ahead and go. I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm with God. And a couple hours later she left. And when I got that word, there was, a, there was a, um, an announcement of joy in my spirit. I even texted and said, man, I'm dancing in joy. This is wonderful. See, and that's what Jesus was trying to get over to us is that when somebody leaves their physical body, this is not a time for sorrow. This is a time for rejoicing because they're not dead. They're more alive than they've ever been. And that's what Jesus was telling them is, yes, her body, her physical body is uh, asleep or not functioning, but she herself is not dead. 
Go to Luke chapter 8. Luke 8. Verse 52. Luke 8, 52. And uh, here is the same thing. He's again talking about Jairus' daughter. And look at how they rec- how he records it here in, in uh, verse 52. And all wept and bewailed her. But he said, weep not. She is not dead, but sleepeth. He said, weep not. Why? Because from the spirit realm, she was more alive than ever. From the spirit realm. See, what we call physical death, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost call nothing more than a sleep. Go to John. We looked at this last week. John 11. John 11. We see the wonderful account of Lazarus. And just to verify that Jesus isn't crazy... He helped us out. John 11, starting in verse 11 through through verse 14. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go, that I may wake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death. Now, wait a minute. They said, he, he said they're asleep. Lazarus is just sleeping. And they knew that Lazarus had been sick, but now Jesus has a word of knowledge that Lazarus is just sleeping. And so they all thought, well, Lord, if he's sleeping, if he's resting comfortably, then that means the sickness is gone and he'll be fine. Why do we need to go? Why do we need to go? They didn't understand that what Jesus was saying, even though they had dealt with the situation with Jairus, they did not understand that Lazarus was physically dead in the body, but his spirit was still alive unto God. Therefore, Jesus could go call his spirit back into his sleeping body, and Lazarus would come back to physical life. They didn't understand this. But look at what Jesus said. Howbeit, Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest in sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. In other words, he said, disciples, you have it right. Lazarus is what you call physically dead. In other words, in the natural, there's no signs of life. He's physically dead. However, spiritual law trumps natural law in this situation. And because he's spiritually alive unto God, he has the opportunity to come back into his spiritual body. And therefore, he just sleepeth. Uh, for sake of time, we're not going to go and read 1 Thessalonians 4 through 13. First uh, Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. We read that last week, um, but it makes it very clear uh, that this is this that what we call physical death. That Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Father God, all say this is nothing more than sleep. All right. Can I go to Ephesians? Uh, yeah, we can. Um, this, there's, and then there's what's called dead in sin. This is where you are alive naturally, but you are spiritually separated from God. And how you become spiritually separated from God is that you, is that you live in sin. You choose to do wrong uh, when you know to do right, and it separates you from God. Okay? 
uh, while you're physically alive and you're separated from God, you can receive Jesus as, the, as your Lord and Savior and be resurrected out of this, out of this death, this form of spiritual death. Um, but, but, but sin, but when you are dead in sin, this is what the Father God, the Lord Jesus, and the Holy Ghost refer to as the first death. The first death means that you are, you know, uh, that means that you've lived through the up until the age of accountability. You have chosen to do wrong when you knew to do right. You've sinned enough that you become separated from God, and now you have no spiritual connection to God. This is what Jesus and the Father and the Holy Ghost refer to as the first death. The first death. And we see this in, let's look at Ephesians 2.1. It's very specific right here. And, it's, and, and it says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Now I want you to notice this. He said, he said uh, that you have, once you received Jesus Christ, of, once you received Jesus, uh, then you're quickened. But before you received Jesus, you were dead in trespasses and in sins. In other words, you trespassed the law or you went against or you broke the law of God. You operated in sins. It says, wherein in times past, talking about before you received Christ, you walked according to the course of what world? This, this world. world. And what? According to the prince of the power of the air. According to the prince, according to the... Uh, spiritual power or the spiritual governor of this, where it says of the air, he's talking about the spiritual air of the earth. So what he's talking about is you walked according to the power of Satan. You walked according to the power of Satan. This is talking about being dead in sin, walking to walking in accordance to the power of Satan. Let's keep going. Let's finish right. reading this. Among whom also we all had our conversation. Oh, wait. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Disobedient children are being influenced by demons. It, it could be that they were trained wrong, but disobedience and rebellion is influenced by demonic spirits. Right. What, I, I didn't say it. The Bible did. Did you hear me? Did you see it? He said, he said, you walk according to the prince of power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. I didn't say it. God said it. Where there's disobedience and there's rebellion, there's demonic spirits. Keep going. All right. Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past. Our manner of living. In the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. All right, so can we see that this, that this living in sin causes us to die unto God? Can we see this? Let's look at Romans. Just We're going to look at just Romans 6.23, but honestly, the whole chapter can settle this for us. Oh, yeah. But Romans 6.23 will uh, make it pretty clear. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, we understand that when you choose to do wrong, that it brings death to the physical body. 
But that's not this, what this is talking about. What this is talking about, the wages of sin, because how much do you know? It takes a while for alcohol to kill you. It takes a while for drugs to kill you. It takes a while for disobedience. There's the rare occasion where somebody ODs on the first try. I understand that. But I'm talking about in general, generally speaking. These things, because people start off small and, grow and, and build and build and build. What, he, what it's talking about here is the wages of sin is spiritual death. You're walking around alive, but you're actually spiritually dead unto God. That's what this actually means. But the gift of God is, and how do we know that it's dealing with spiritual death? Because he's talking about eternal life. He's not talking about physical life. He's talking about eternal life. He said, but the gift of God is eternal life through who? Jesus Christ, our Lord. Our Lord. Okay? So we can see, and I gave you more references here, but for sake of time, I'm not going to go through them. You can go back and read all of these scriptures, and you'll see. In fact, one of them is John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that what? That whosoever may what? Believe. Believe shall not do what? Perish. Perish, but have what? Everlasting, Everlasting life. life. So who, what is he referring to? Is he referring to physical death? Or is he referring to eternal death? He's talking about eternal life and eternal death. Because here's the deal. I can receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and at this current period in time, I will not physically live forever. So can he possibly be talking about physical life? No. Most of the time when the scriptures are talking about life and death, they're talking about the eternal life and death. You have to understand this or you will not understand the book of Revelation. Okay. You want to go on to eternal death? The third death is eternal death. All right. And this is you are separated from God for all of eternity. This means that you will spend all of eternity in the lake of fire. That's what it means. Now, some people will make that decision in this physical. Actually, everybody will make that decision in physical life. How do you make that decision? You continue to deny Christ. Until your time in physical, in your physical body at this point in time, until, until you physically die, when you physically die, you will either go up because you chose the Lord Jesus, or you will go down because you chose to reject God and receive Satan. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. Now that designation changes a little bit here in the near future. But right now in the dispensation that we live in, the determination, if you make heaven or hell, is based on your acceptance of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It is not based on your works. It is not based on how good of a person you are. It is not based on how clean you live. It is based on rather you, live, rather you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now, with that said, once you receive your salvation, you must maintain your salvation. Just like once you receive a car... You have to maintain that thing. These young girls over here are fixing to get cars and be in charge of them. If they don't learn how to take care of them and they don't learn how to maintain them and they don't learn how to deal with them, what's going to happen, people? <laughs> They're going to be calling somebody for a ride. Why? Because they obtained it. Now they had to maintain it. Your salvation is the same way. Thank God that uh, our salvation is not as fragile as a vehicle. 
Thank God. And, and of course, if they go out, if, <laughs> if, if they go out and get wild with their cars and don't yes. follow the laws of the land, they could end up losing their vehicle as well. They, right. That's right. So let's now God refers to this eternal separation as the second death. Okay? God refers to this as the second death. Let's look at Matthew twenty five, forty six. All right. Matthew twenty five, forty six. Come on, we just because we're proving out the word of God. Right. Just come on, just because we we're proving were, out we the word of God. We weren't specifically talking about you. <laughs> Matthew twenty five forty six. Come on. Oh man. All right. So Matthew twenty five forty six. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous shall unto uh, unto life eternal. So it's talking about sinners. They'll they'll go into everlasting punishment, but the righteous unto life eternal. I, I encourage so if they're, you, if they're direct opposites, if one's life eternal, one's death eternal. I encourage you to go back and read this chapter because in this chapter, Jesus is saying that there's going to be people that are going to be like, but I did good works and I did this and I did that. And the Lord's going to say, mm, sorry, out of here. Why? He's going to say, sorry, out of here because they never made him Lord of the life. He never said. So there is an eternal death. Go to Revelate. Well, hold on. Let's go to Matthew. Right here, Matthew. Go to Matthew 9, 43, 44. All right. Matthew 9. Was that? No, that ain't right. What did you say? Matthew 9. Oh, 9. Okay. Matthew 9. I'm not going to do all of these, uh, but you can go back and you can study them out for yourself. Some of them are really good. Though. Some of them are really good. They're going to hurt. All right. Matthew 9. <laughs> Verse 43 and 44. Hmm, that might be difficult. That's Matthew 10. Oh, did I do it wrong? Yep. Oh, come on now. <laughs> I'm going, no, that's not going to work. Must hold on, hold on, come on, hold on. Which Matthew is it? <laughs> oh, come on. This is a really good one. And you wrote it down wrong. Maybe it's not Matthew eight. No. Nope. All right, go to go to twenty five forty one. Matthew twenty five. Let's look at this one, and then I'll figure that one out. Matthew twenty five. Pastor Michael is rattling them off to me really fast. I blame him. <laughs> okay. Twenty five forty one. All right. So twenty five forty one. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand. Depart from me, ye cursed, unto everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungered, and, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me not in. Naked, and ye clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, and ye visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we... Thee and hungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee. Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Insomuch as ye did it not to the least of these, ye did it not to me. And they shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous unto life eternal. All right, go to Matthew 13. Ah, you found it, did you? Well, this is another one. <laughs> 
Matthew 13. Let's start in verse 37. All right. Matthew 13, 37. We'll, we'll just roll down here until we know when to stop. Gotcha. All right. Um, Matthew 13, verse 37. Okay. He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the son of man. The field is the he's world. Answering a he's answering a parable. The field is the world. This is the parable of the sower and the seed. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the cares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. Well, that's not the same one I'm Just used keep to. Going. All right, anyways. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. So he's saying, if you have an ear to hear, understand there is an eternal death. There is an eternal death. So you want to, you want to avoid the eternal death. Okay? And I list several more, and I'll go back later, and I'll figure out where I messed up right there on nine. Um, because that one really describes it really the, well. I know the ones in Revelation are good. Though. Well, that's okay, because we've got to move <laughs> on. So you have to understand, there's a physical death. There's being dead in sin, which, the, which God refers to as the first death. Then there's being eternally dead and eternally separated, which God refers to as the second death. The Father God, the Lord Jesus, and the Holy Ghost, and our enemy Satan is concerned mostly, they are mostly concerned with the first and second death. Mostly. If Satan can use physical death to assure that you obtain a spiritual death or the second death, he will. In other words, if he can get you to reject God in this physical life and then get you to take yourself out or get somebody to take you out, he will. Because then your fate is sealed. However, God is full of mercy and full of grace. And he desires that no man or woman, nobody of mankind, should perish and experience eternal death. So God will, even though you're rejecting God, God will supernaturally sustain you and keep you alive as far as he can to give you every opportunity to turn and receive Jesus. And once you receive Jesus, he'll give you every opportunity to maintain your salvation, uh, but there is a limit. But there is a limit, and you don't want to cross that limit. Um, I can tell you in the 12 years that I lived outside of the church and I was... Uh, well-versed in sin, I can tell you that when I started, I had a full assurance that I was heaven-bound. I can tell you that at the end of my 12 years, my full assurance was a weak, hopeful thought. Why? Because I was working towards losing that salvation. I had not yet lost it, but I was working toward it. He's going he's gonna to do his best to get you to take, he's going to, he, you have to understand, Satan cannot, listen to me, 
Listen to me. Satan cannot kill you. Satan has been put on a chain, and he absolutely cannot kill you unless you get unless you get in agreement with him. He, he'll give you thoughts of suicide. And if you'll get in agreement with those thoughts, you'll commit suicide, and he'll take you out of here. And he'll take you out of here for two reasons. Satan will take you out of here either because he has you surely in his kingdom, or he will take you out of here because he knows the plan of God for your life, and he knows that if he doesn't take you out and you get a hold of the fullness of God, you will do much damage to his kingdom. He will take you out for either one of those two reasons. Okay? And just because he can't kill you physically doesn't mean he can't influence someone else to kill you. Exactly. But if he can, so, so yes, Satan will leave you. Once Satan knows that you're working for him, he's going to leave you here because you're going to take other people with him. Right. Once exactly. he knows that you're not going to fulfill your call to God, he's going to kind of leave you alone. to make Because if he pushes you too far, you just might get rededicated and might start your walk right. He's very cunning. He's very cunning. We have to be smarter than him. The only problem is, is he was there when the word was written. He knows the word better than we do, which is why we need insider information. We need the Holy Ghost to help us and lead us and guide us, which is why when, the whole, when you go to do that thing and there's a check on the inside, and the Holy Ghost says, don't do that. That's the Holy Ghost helping you against the devil. All right. I promise we're getting to Revelation 9 because you have to understand these deaths. You absolutely have to understand them. Now, in Revelations chapter 9, we start to hear trumpets being blown. We start to hear trumpets being blown in the Spirit. In, in the Old Testament, they had what was under the Jewish, uh, under Jewish law, and, it's, and these feasts are still practiced today. When the Bible call, talks about a feast, it doesn't mean you are always eating. In fact, a lot of times they're fasting. A feast... Another word for feast is a holy convocation or a holy assembly, a meeting. It's an, it's an appointed meeting time with God. That's what the feasts are. And in the Old Testament, you see these listed in Deuteronomy 29 and Leviticus 23. It's in your notes. God tells them to have what's called the Feast of Trumpets. And they do the Feast of Trumpets on the, the, the Feast of Trumpets starts on the first day of the seventh month. God's, everything God does is in sevens. Uh, seven is the number of perfection. If you're into that, don't go too deep into it. You'll get into the weeds. Uh, but there's a reason that he picked the seventh month. All right. Trumpets in the Old Testament were blown for these ten reasons. Number one, it was time to pack up camp and move on. When the church gets called out of here, the Bible, clearly de- the, the Bible clearly declares that at the sound of the trump, the church will be carried away. That's at the sound of the trump. It's time for us in the church today to pack up and move on. To tr- that tr- you know, pack it up and move on. Uh, this was what they did in, when they were traveling in the desert. How much do you know when we're in this world, we're in the desert place? So when the trump blows, when that trump of the Spirit blows, we're getting ready to move on. Another reason that they blew the trumpets was it was a time to gather the people and call an assembly. 
This is why a lot of churches will have bells, or at that time in the Old Testament, when it was time for temple, there would be a trumpet blow, and it would tell them to come. I think that's a good sign. I think that's a good thing. I think we ought to mount a, tr a horn up on the church building, and every time it's time to assemble, we'll just go, Wah! and they'll be like, what was that? We'll all know. We'll all know. It's time to assemble. You want a big train whistle? No, I want one of them big, I want one of them big, uh, I get, if we were in Texas, we'd have to use a longhorn horn. I wonder what that would sound like. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Another reason was to mark a sacrifice on feast day. To mark, a, to mark a sacrifice. So when they were doing the sacrifices on the day that Jesus was crucified, there were trumpets being blown because it was sacrificing on, on the feast day. A trumpet is a warning of war or danger. That's a good one. It's a, a warning of war or danger. Uh, you can blow the horn. Oh, there you go. To praise. We'll let, we'll let Derek. He'll, we'll do our confession, and then he'll blow the horn, and we'll know it's time to praise. <laughs> time to praise. Glory to God. So when you see, when Derek comes in and sees his horn, he'll know. He'll know that's what it's for. It's time to praise. Is to declare a procession or a feast. Again, a feast is a holy day or a holy assembly. A procession. How much do you know? Uh, there'll be a procession when the church gets called out of here. There'll be a procession. Uh, uh, the blowing of the trumpet is for, the pro for proclaiming a king. Here comes Jesus. Do what? Could be. Uh, you're a junior marshal. When you walk in the when you walk in these beautiful seniors, you're going to be giving, you're going to be leading the procession. And you should be blowing your horn. <laughs> it's, so you were. It's it's when it's it's when a bunch of people make a big line to come in. It's a procession. It's a procession. Like when the seniors all walk in. That's a procession. All right. So all right. Assembling the troops for battle. Uh oh. Assembling the troops for battle. That means get ready. Get ready. They also used them in battle to, to uh, tell them what go to, to the right or go to the left or retreat. They had different different horn blows patterns to uh, to give them directions. Because once you get out of sight, you know, it's not like they had radios. Right. They, they had to be able to give directions. That's right. Uh, and the tenth reason for a trumpet blow is to declare victory. To declare victory. Uh, there are some, notice it says it can, be, uh, it can be a sound of worship or a battle cry, a particular device for the 12 tribes on a march, um, the markers of special days, times, and celebrations. The sound of the trumpet also um, has other um, connotations in the Bible. For example, God's power to raise the dead. God's power to raise the dead. When, the, when, when we're changed in the twinkling of an eye, it's at the trumpet's blow. And that's when the dead will come to life. Um, it's to pro, it's, the procla, it's the, to proclaim the gospel, meaning the gospel's about to be proclaimed. Uh, it mean, when you hear a trumpet, it means uh, the bold and faithful preaching of the prophets. And lastly, it means uh, the latter-day judgment. Out of Revelations. Out of Revelations. But right before the final judgments, there'll be a blow of the trumpet. 
So we have to understand what these are to understand Revelations chapter 9. One more thing we have to understand before we can get to Revelations 9. One more thing we have to understand. I want you to go to 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. This will help you to not have the big debate that Pastor Mike and I had. This will help you. First or 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We tend to think, and I'm not really sure other than church teachings and misunderstanding the Bible, we tend to think that the demons are currently in the middle of the earth in hell. That is not true. That is not true. There are no demons currently in hell. They're all around. This is... Satan's not even in hell. I'm going to prove it to you. I love this. I love this. So, 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 I guess, I guess the way we could... I guess I need this is messing with me. I guess the way we could say this, I guess the way we could say this is hell is not closed. It's not closed. It's not closed. Because, and, and they're right, they are right. Don't you love it? Out of the mouth of babes. Out of the mouth of babes, it helps us. When you die physically, you go to straight to hell and you start being tormented. So there are, there are demons, there are demons in hell currently, who are torturing people that have already died and made their choice for hell. Okay? Uh, so that's already, so we understand that they're there. But that's not the only place that they are. They can come and go from there. They, they can come and go from there. They're not locked in that place. He can come and go. <laughs> he can come and go. Let's look at a few scriptures and answer the question. Right. Let's answer this with the scripture. 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. All right. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Okay. Notice that that says little g God. And he's the God of what? This world. This world. Satan is the God of this world. Little g God, not our big, jo our big g God. He is the God of this world, and he's done what? Blinded the minds. He's blinded the minds of them which believe not. So how can Satan be permanently stuck in hell if he's roaming the earth, putting blinders on the minds of people? Huh? Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. You're getting ahead of me. Hold on. Hold on. He, he's chained in that. His Hold on. Go to James 4. Go to James chapter 4. I'm she, trying to answer your question. She doesn't like it when I get ahead of things. <laughs> Wait. Let, let the Holy Ghost answer them. Let the Holy Ghost answer. Let the Holy, just, just let the Holy Ghost answer. James Go to the 4? book of James. All right. Go to the book of James chapter 4. I know. Let him do it. I know. Let him do it. Okay. James chapter 4, verse, come on, verse 7. <clears throat> James 4, 7. 
Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Are we currently submitting ourselves to God? Absolutely. So is We're this here. here on the earth? There's a question. Are we currently submitting ourselves to God? Yes. Are We're we here. currently on the earth? Yes. So where do we submit to God? Here on the earth. Here on the earth. Look at the very next phrase. Resist the devil. Resist the devil. If we're submitting to God on the earth, where do we resist the devil? Here on the earth. On the earth. And he will do what? He'll flee from you. Where does he flee from? From here on the earth. From us on the earth. So he is on the earth, right? So Satan and the demons are on the earth. Okay. Well, that's why it says he's, seek, he's roaming he the earth seeking whom he can now, devour. go to Matthew chapter 12. Now, I'm answering you. Matthew chapter 12. Don't get lost on me yet. Matthew chapter 12. Turn your Bible. Matthew chapter 12. It'll distract your mind. It'll help you. Matthew 12. I did not confuse myself. She'll figure it out. Matthew 12, 43. 12.43. That's 13. That's not going to work for me. Right. 12.43. 12, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and findeth none. Where is he? So, he says, so an unclean spirit is gone out of who? Out of a man. Where does this happen? On the On earth. On the earth. Where, what does the demon do? He walks around. He walks through the dry places of what? The earth. The earth. And he's doing what? Seeking rest. Seeking rest. You have to understand this. I'm going to blow your mind. You're going to get a permanent wave. You might lose your wig. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. I'm going to teach you something. While angels of God, because they have not rebelled against God, they have all power given to them. As far as spiritual power, as far as, not spiritual power, angelic power. So angels can take the form and the appearance of man. Okay? For example, you all know the story. If, if you don't, we'll tell it to you later. Uh, we were at a Jesse Duplantis meeting, and I had talked to the Lord about it. And I told the Lord, I said, Lord, you know I like to be close to the front. I like to be in the, in, close to the anointing. And we were way back. And I said, Lord, this ain't working for me. And a few minutes later, because I was kind of standing on the outside a few minutes later, I mean the sharpest dressed black man you've ever seen in your life. He was a black man. He was a black man. This, this angel appeared as a black man. Don't tell me God doesn't love the black people. This was a black man. The Lord sent me a black angel. No, he wasn't dressed in all white, but he was dressed in the coolest, most richest purple you've ever seen. I mean, it was gorgeous. I mean, I'm talking him. Armani had nothing on this man. And he had, all, I mean, he was sharp. And he come up behind, he come up behind me. He said, "Excuse me, ma'am." And I looked to him, and I was startled. And I said, "Yes, sir." He said, "Are there X number of people in your party?" And I went, "Yeah, there's that many of us." And he said, "Yes, ma'am. I thought that was correct. We have your seats up here for you." And I said, "Excuse me." He said, "Yes, ma'am. If you if you'll gather your party and come with me, I have we have seats reserved for you." I said, "You do?" He said, "Yes, ma'am. Come." And I said, "Woo! We're going to the front. Look out, y'all." And so I grabbed everybody, and they're all going, no, no, no. And I said, you see the angel? Get around. I didn't know he was angel. I said, you see the sharply dressed man? You're coming with me. You're coming with me. And so we went, and he walked us to the third, was it the second or the third row? Second. I, it was the second row. It's the second row. Jesse Duplantis in a big, huge meeting. 
He walked us to the second row, and there, was, there were two people that were supposed to come with us that didn't come last minute. So we walked up to the front, and there was exactly enough seats for our people plus two that were missing. And they had reserved written on them. And we walked up to the front, and he said, these are your seats. And I said, uh, they say reserved. He said, yes, ma'am, they're reserved for you and your party. And I said, are you sure? He said, yes. And I looked at all people, and I said, we're going there. And they all said, I said, get in the seat, get in the seat, like before they change your mind, get in the seat. And so we traveled in the seat. We got in the seat, and I turned, and I looked at Mom, and I said, did you see that man? And she said, yeah. I said, okay. A few minutes went by, and I'm looking for him, I'm looking for him, I'm looking for him. I looked over, I said, you saw him, right? She said, yeah. I said, a black man. She said, yeah. I said, dressed all in purple. She said, yeah. I said, better than Armani. She said, yeah. I said, have you seen him these since? And she said, no. And I said, I believe that was an angel. She said, I believe so. <laughs> and we had a fantastic time. So the, I said all that to say this. Angels can take human form. Demons cannot. Demons cannot. That's part of their curse is they cannot take human form. That's why they this, have to possess someone. This is why they have to either obsess a person oppress a person or possess a person because they don't have a physical body. They can't take the form of a physical body so that they can operate on the earth today. You must say it again. Say it loud. And you don't want none of it. So angels can not only go back and forth from the, from the, third, from the spirit realm to the earth, to the spirit realm, to the under spirit realm, but they can also take human form. They can. Learn. <laughs> Hang on. We're going to get through revelations. You're going to learn why they can get there. Okay. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. No demon can take human form because of the curse. And Satan is the king of all demons. But he's still a demon. He's the king of all demons. Wait, Satan's a demon? Yes, Satan's a demon. A demon. Listen to me. I'm going to just, because so many people, so many, listen, so listen, listen, listen. So many people are caught up on, shh. So many people are caught up on, are demons fallen angels? Are demons people left over from the pre-endemic race? Don't matter. All you need to know, all you need to know is they are disembodied Spirits. They have no physical body. They cannot take physical hu they cannot take physical human form so that they can operate on the earth. Do you understand this? This is very critical for you to understand chapter nine. However, they got a workaround. <laughs> they do have a workaround. <laughs> right. Second Peter two four. For if God spared not the angels that sinned and cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. This verse tells you that these disembodied spirits are chained. These are not physical chains. These are spiritual chains. They can move. Glory to God. Demons limited. have restrictions. All right. This is very important. This is very important. This is very important. Hold on. 
So we're in Matthew, uh, Ma- uh, Luke eleven twenty four tells you the same thing. Go to, uh, go to Luke eight twenty nine. Go to Luke eight twenty nine. I promise we're talking Revelation. I promise we are. Not I not to, not too late though. I promise we are talking. You gotta listen. This is why if you don't know the Bible, you cannot understand the Book of Revelations. Listen. This is why the new believer does not need to start with the Book of Revelation because you don't know the rest of the book. There's a reason God put this at the end. Rob, where did I tell you all to go? Luke 8. Luke 8. What's it say? It says, For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For oft times it had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters. And he brake the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. Look at this. What did Jesus do? He commanded the unclean spirit. Where is the unclean spirit? Living in the man. Why did he live in the in the man? Because he has no body. And, and he needs a body. And to answer the unspoken question, yes, an unclean spirit is a demon. Is it? Yes. All right. Go to Matthew ten one. Yes. yes. <laughs> Matthew yes. ten one. All right. Matthew ten one. I'm in Mark. Hold on. Let me get to Matthew. Oh, and I'm in Luke. So all right. <laughs> Matthew ten. Come on, guys. Let's get. Matthew 10.1. All right. And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power to against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. We have, we as disciples of God, have all power, might, and dominion to cast out demons. Okay? Now, I want you to go to Matthew. I did not list this one, but let's go find it real quick. Because you got to get there. Uh, I believe we're going to Matthew 16. Yes, we're going to Matthew 16. Matthew 16. You've got to understand this. You've got to see this. Because if you don't understand this and you don't see this, by the time we get to verse 4 of chapter 9, you'll be totally confused. I'm guessing verse 19. Let's start in verse 17. Okay. Here Peter said... (laughs) You are Jesus the Messiah. And God, and Jesus responded this. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. He asked, he asked uh, Simon Barjona, which is Peter, he said, Who do you say I am? And he said, You are Christ the son of the living God. You are the Messiah. And, and Jesus said, you didn't come by this because any man revealed it to you. You came to this understanding because God dropped it down on the inside of you. And based on that revelation, based on that understanding, because you understand that Jesus is the Lord of your life and that he is the son of the living God, you get this privilege right here. Watch it. All right, verse 18. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Not on Peter, but on the revelation. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gate, he said, he said he's going to build his church, and the gates of hell are not going to prevail against the church. The church, not against the world, against the church. 
And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. From the moment that Jesus took back the keys of this world, every Christian has had the power, might, and ability to bind the works of Satan and every demon under him. And they have been and we have been binding demons ever since. There was a period of time where this understanding was lost and the demons got a little out of control, but we're getting that understanding back. And so now we have the power, might, and authority to bind demons today. We bind them and we say, ah, you ain't bringing that sickness in Jesus' name. You're not coming against my thoughts in Jesus' name. I bind you and I put you in a spiritual lock. I chain you and I restrict your movements. So when the church gets called out of here, there's a whole lot of demons that are chained up. You need to understand this. Well, there should be. You have to understand this. All right. Are we ready to go to Roman, uh, Revelations chapter 9? Way ready. All right. <laughs> We're ready. Because if we don't get this, because if, if, if y'all don't understand this, man, verse 3 is going to hurt your head. Ver actually, verse 2 is going to hurt your head. <laughs> okay. All right, verse 1. And the Slow fifth, and easy. And the fifth angel sounded. All right, when we hear the trumpet blow, what is that? It's a warning. And I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth. Now, we know this. We know that uh, Jesus said in uh, Revelations chapter 2, I think it is, might have been the end of 1. It was the end of chapter 1. He said that the stars that were in his hand were the angels. That word angel means messenger. And in this teaching, I've showed you and I've exposed to you that angels can either be for angels from God or messengers from God, or they can be angels of Satan or messengers of Satan. And you have to look at the fruit to figure out what they are. In other words, you have to look at what they're doing to know what they are. And it says, the, it says, the fifth angel sounded, which means there was a trump in heaven, and heaven said, get ready, get prepared, there's a battle, brace yourself. That's what the trumpet's for. And, uh, and then, of course, those that are already in heaven, they're preparing for prayer, because they've got to pray the people on the earth through what's fixing to happen. So the earth hears it, those that are alive in the spirit on the earth uh, we'll hear that alarm go off in their system. Hopefully they'll brace because there's going to be a star. There's going to be a messenger from heaven. A messenger from heaven. It says a messenger fell from heaven. A messenger fell. That means this messenger descends out of the heavenlies, out of the spiritual realm. That's what this means. And he, and he descends out of the spirit realm onto the earth. Onto the earth, and let's keep reading. And to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. This is not, because we've established the demons can, or even though they've been sent to, even though hell has been prepared for them, and that they can go into hell because there's people being tormented there, we've established that demons can also come to the earth. Go to Ephesians chapter, hold your spot right here, look at Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, just real quick, we're going to look at one verse, just one, 
Ephesians 6, verse 12. Probably. Yes, Ephesians 6, 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Principalities, we know we're on the earth today. These are the little demons that poke and irritate us all day long. Yep. So, if. against principalities, against powers. These are rulers of regions. These are, these are rulers of governments, rulers of regions. How much do you know? We have devils influencing offices of government. All right. not, only in, not only in the governmental level, but even in the offices of business. Government, you know, any, any office of power, there can be demons operating behind the scenes in those offices. Rulers of the darkness of this world. Rulers of darkness of what world? This world. This world. Is he in the spirit realm? No. no. These are on the earth. So we've got three types of demons that are currently operating on the earth today. Principalities, powers, rulers of darkness in the, in, uh, of this world. One more. Against spiritual wickedness in high places. Spiritual wickedness. That means that there's demonic, spirit, demonic powers, demonic spirits that are where? In high, high places place. or in the heavenlies. In other words, there's the demonic realm. spirits in the spirit realm. They're not in heaven itself because heaven itself is a city or a, or a fortress area in the spirit realm. However, there's demonic spirits all around that thing, around heaven. So, what it means, so now let's go back to Revelations. Yes. Yes. Lowest to highest. Yes, that is the ranking of demons. Lowest to highest. All right. So he's given the key to the bottomless pit. So we know... That, that, that all of the demons are not actually in a physical pit in the earth, although some are. When he says that he's given him the key to the bottomless pit, what it means is all of those demons that have been bound, all demons, chained. have been chained or have been bound by God. Remember in the book of Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It gets over there and it says that the Lord prepared us a table before our enemies. The indication is, is that you've got this beautiful, bountiful table of blessings and you're sitting at it and the demons are chained just out of reach. Just out of reach. And so while the church is here, there is a restriction on demons. Yeah. I was going to say, and remember... This is after the church has been called up. Correct. Has been called has been called home. So so the church is gone now. Yes. So when it says he's been given this key to the bottomless pit, what he's saying is the key that has been restricting these demons. There are the chains that have been restricting these demons is about to be released. They they will no longer be restricted in how far they can push things. Let's keep reading. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. Now he's in the spirit, he's seeing this in the spirit, and he's seeing so many demons being released from their chains, being unbound, that it's so thick it looks like a smoke going up before the, before the sun blacking out the sun. We've had fires here. We know what this looks like. Absolutely. Huh? This angel. This angel. All right. 
Now, it doesn't specify if this angel is from God or if this, if this, who this angel is from. All it says is it came out of the spirit realm. All it says is it came out of the spirit realm. And we do know that Satan has a legal lease on the earth. And, there, and God has restricted him through all of time. But because he has a legal lease, he has a period of time that he has to be able to operate. He and his kingdom have to be able to operate on the earth without restriction. Without restriction. Huh? Yes, Amen. the church has been called out. If you only get, you only are gone if you maintain your walk with God. All right. So verse 3. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth. And unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. Now this word power is the word exosia. This means that they have the authority or the jurisdiction to do what they want to. They have authority. So here this, the, like a swarm of locusts, here this swarm of demons are released upon the earth to do what they want. They have the jurisdiction to do whatever they want. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. Remember when the church was called out of here, the 144 Jews were sealed? 144,000 Jews were sealed. Uh, other than the 144,000 Jews, of all of the people that get left behind, these demons, they can go after them. Because they've rejected Jesus. You got to go back and listen to the other, you got to go back and listen to the other sermons. All right. Let's keep going. All right. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months. And their torment was the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. So if you have ever been hit by a bald-faced bald hornet, scorpions are about like that. Yeah. Only right. not for just a few minutes, for five months. Now, that five months, a month... Is from full cycle of the moon to full cycle of the moon is one month. Go back to the prior chapter. Go back to chapter 8 and look at verse 12. Chapter 8, verse 12. And the fourth angel sounded, and the third part of the sun was smitten, and the third part of the moon, and the third part of the stars. So as the third part of them was darkened, and the day shone not for a third part of it, and the night likewise. So what we know, so what we know is that when the church is called called out of here, there's going to be there's going to be a lot of um, natural disasters. There's going to be a lot of things that are going to be taking place. We know that the sun is going to be changed, the moon is going to be changed, and what we do know is that the gravity of the moon and the sun keep our rotation at a certain rate. So when those change, guess what? The rate of rotation is also going to change. So it's very, and it says that the daytime and the nighttime will change. So now we have no idea how long a month will be. Now we have no idea how long a month will be. So, but we do know this, the months will not be shorter, they'll be longer because of science. So we have no idea exactly, and we don't, we don't know exactly how long that five months is going to be. It'll depend on that time that's here. All right. 
But look at, oh, huh. look at verse 6. Verse 6. And in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it and shall desire to die and death shall flee from them. During the tribulation, because, we, because all of the earth will have already been changed, go back, go back to, go back to uh, 2 Corinthians 15. Come on. We've talked about this, but you've got to see it to understand it. Go back to 2 Corinthians 15. 1 um, Corinthians. Okay. Sorry. 1 Corinthians 15. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 15. All right. 51. 15:51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. But so we're we, not all going to die physically. But we shall all be changed. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So according to this verse, at some time before the church is called out of here, the entire world puts off uh, mortality for immortality. The whole earth will go from being able the yeah, before the church is called out of here. How much do you know? How much do you know? Jesus, you can't, you can't get to the spirit realm in this physical body. You wouldn't be able to handle it. You couldn't even get to the atmosphere without it. Before the church gets called out of here, all of humanity will be instantly changed from mortality to immortality, which means we will no longer be able to physically die. Yes. Yes, that is. See, Everybody gets a... Because here's the deal. You can't be in hell and be tortured physically and not have a physical body. Correct. Look at verse 6. What does it say? In those days shall men seek death. Back in Revelations 9, 6. In those days men shall seek death and shall not find it, but shall desire to die and death shall flee from them. During the tribulation, you will not be, those that are, will be in heaven in our glorified state. Those that are in the earth will be on the earth in a fit in a glorified state, Mari. Yes. That's not what it said. It said I know that's said, what everybody's been every, taught, but that's not true. This 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 is kinda new to us too. But but it, but the Bible says that everyone's gonna put off uh, right. the, uh, put off mortality for immortality. Right. Well 'cause see 'cause see Pay it, attention. This it, gets confusing, I know this. The difference, the difference is, so at the, the people that go to hell are not going to be able to die. They're going to live for all eternity in hell. Brianna said it perfectly. Say it, Brianna. 
Exactly. Right. You could not be tortured forever if you were not immortal. You ha- it says that your flesh, it, the, the scriptures say that your flesh, we, we just read it. It says that you'll be cast into the lake of fire. Your flesh will burn for all of eternity. The scripture that I was looking for in Matthew, I'll find it for you. It actually says that you'll be cast in the place where the worm never dies. The Bible says that your body will be eaten by insects and worms for all of eternity. You will hear them eating your rotten burning flesh. You have to have a physical body. You that, have to have a physical body. Everybody gets... Right. He, let me, let me, let me... I'll tell you what's messing everybody up. Thank you, Holy Ghost. We use the term glorified body. We use that term because in the garden, they were dressed, Adam and Eve were dressed in the glory of God. That's why people are confused. What you're getting, what every single person will receive in that moment is a spiritual, is a physical body that is incapable of death. God is going to take us back, all of mankind, all of humanity. He's going to take us back to the original created state. No. You will, I mean, you'll look physical. You will look physical. You will have a physical body. Life will continue on like it is in some degree. You just won't be able to die. Like Adam and Eve. Yes. Yes. Kind of like Jesus when he came back. So instead of saying, listen to me, instead of saying, we need to stop saying everybody gets a glorified body. And we need to start saying everybody gets an immortal body. Yeah. Does that make sense? Everybody... Stop saying we all get glorified bodies. That confuses the scriptures. What we need to say is what the scripture says. What does the scripture say? Go back to 2 Corinthians. We need to stay with the scriptures. 1 Corinthians. Right. (laughs) 1 Corinthians 15. Go back to what the scripture says. What does he say? Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. He's talking about will not all, all of the world. Yes, he's talking to Christians, but he's talking about the entire world. But we shall all be changed. Every person is going to be changed. Not only does he say every person still alive will be changed, but in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. Currently, those that are in heaven do not have a physical body. Did their physical body go out of here? Let me ask you a question. I'm not being Mormon. But when your mama died, did her body go with her, or did her, mama, did her body stay? When your daddy died, did his body go, or did his body stay? When, when, when stepdad died, did, he, did his body go, or did his body stay? Your body stayed. But at the twinkling of an eye, at a trump, every single person is going to get their body back that are dead. Every single person that is physically alive, is going. their, their body is also going to change. Keep reading it. All right. So, shall, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, meaning they'll get their, not glorified body, but immortal body. Immortal body. And we shall be changed. Corrupted means able to die. Incorrupted means unable to physically die. So they're not going to come back as zombies. That's right. They're going to come back as as living beings. Correct. Yes. You are what heaven. does the spirit I'm look heaven. like? I don't I'll let know. You know when I get there. 
right? Uh, for, thanks. Appreciate that. Okay, come on. All come right. on. We got so, just a few minutes. For, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Every single person in heaven, on the earth, and in hell will get a physical body that looks just like it does now because the Bible says we recognize one another. We'll get a body that looks like just look. I'm sorry, Lord. I will not look exactly like this. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to look, look like. Better. <laughs> I'm going to look I'm going to look like I'm in the prime of my life. I'm going to be, I'm, I'm not going to have any metal. I'm not going to have any missing parts. Dear Lord in heaven, I'm not going to have to deal with all this juggling. <laughs> Dear Lord in heaven, oh, I'm not going to have to deal with that. The girls are going to be where the girls are supposed to be. <laughs> all right, that's enough of that. My dear friend, Bobby Bob, he's a dear, precious man to me. I only knew him when he was crippled and in a wheelchair. But when I get to glory, he's going to meet me at the pearly gates, and he's going to be standing tall, and he's going to be standing fit, and he's going to be standing right. And I'm going to know him because my spirit will recognize him, but my eyeballs are going to go, Woo, I didn't know you were that tall because I never saw him stand. Never. That's right. We're made in the image of God. So we're going to look like we look now, only we're going to look better because our bodies are not going to be corrupted. Our skin tone is going to change because the Bible says that even our skin tones have been corrupted. I'm going to get a little more bronze. Derek's going to get a little less bronze. We're going to be the same shade. Glory to God. No. No. There we go. Mark 4:44. Look at this. Go to 40, put up 43 and 44. That's it. I wasn't as far. Oh, it's Mark, not Matthew. That's my problem. It's Mark, not Matthew. There we go. If any hand offend thee, cut it off. Listen. If any part of your body is causing you to sin, Jesus said, cut it off. Don't do it physically. But if you can't get it, if you can't, listen, if you can't get your brain out of, under control, just cut it out. No, I'm kidding. Don't do that. But this is what Jesus said. He said, it is better for thee to go into go through life maimed. Listen, if you can't stop looking at the physical bodies and lusting at them, Jesus said it'd be better for you just to pluck your eyes out than for you to go through life lusting. Well, better for you to pluck your eyes out than to end up in hell. Right. what he was getting at. Right. Look at this. He said, having two hands that go into hell. He said, it's better. He said, in other words, he said, get your flesh under control. He said, it's better to control your flesh here than go into hell and into the fire that shall never be quenched. If you don't have a physical body, why do you care if there's a fire? He said, where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. In other words, not only are you going to be in the fire, but worms are also going to be crawling all over you, eating you. That's what it means. So, Paul, we're not going to answer any more questions. I've got to finish reading this. <laughs> we'll stop right there. You can ask me questions later. 
I want you to understand that before the church gets called out of here, every human on the planet will go from having a mortal body that can die into an immortal body that cannot die. And for those of you that read ahead, this might be a little confusing at this point. <laughs> right. Because, and he, so there's going to be a period of time. Here's what we know. We know that, that from, this point for, from this point that we've read, we understand that after the church has gone out of here, there's going to be some, some crazy weather anomalies. Then there's going to be demons that are going to be unchained, and the demons are going to be able to do whatever they want to do. They have free jurisdiction to do whatever they want, provided they don't hurt the grass and the herbs. Remember, we said that. Right. Hey, they're, they're allowed to torture, cause pain, to all, like scorpions, like all people, uh, upon all people, but the 144 Jews that are marked by God for the, during the time of the tribulation. Now, what does this look like? Is this actual demons that we'll actually be able to see and, and, and they'll come and take us? I personally don't think so. I think that it's, the world's going to operate just like it does now. I think that demons are going to uh, bombard people's minds. If they can oppress them and possess them, they will, and they can cause people to do all manner of evil. There can, they can cause pestilences. They can cause sickness. They can cause disease. They can cause all kinds of mayhem. They can talk people into doing all kinds of, of, of severe persecutions to those that have received Christ. But here's the deal. It doesn't matter what they do. People will not be able to physically die. Right. Now, so, now, let's now, don't, don't, y'all are getting ahead. Let's just read what it says. Yes. Let's keep reading. All right. So, in verse 7, And the shapes of the locust were likened to horses prepared unto battle. And on their heads were, as it were, crowns like gold. And their faces were as the faces of men. And they had hair as the hair of women. And their teeth were as the teeth of a lion. And they had breastplates, as it were breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots, many horses running in battle. And they had tails like unto scorpions. And, they were, and, and there were stings in their tails. And their power was to hurt men five months. And remember, he said there were so many of them that they blotted out the sun. That's right. So that's a lot. All right. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon. Which means destruction. But, the but in the Greek tongue has his name Apollyon. Which is destroyer. So destruction and destroyer. One woe is past. All right. Here's what you need to take away from that. Rather, these demons are actual locusts and and sting people and cause them to be sick and they're tormented for five years. Rather, this is an actual physical manifestation or if this is a spiritual type and shadow, which is what I believe it is. I'm on the other side. He's on the other side. I, I, I think that their chains have been removed and therefore they can, they can physically manifest. On the other hand, I don't think that this is the case because this is how demons operate in this world. They'll just be able to operate that much more without restriction. Here's the takeaway. It doesn't matter if they're physically come out of the earth and this is what they look like or if this is spiritual attacks from, back, from behind the scenes. 
what you need to understand is that during the tribulation, there's going to be a time where there is extreme demonic attack. Extreme demonic attack. And these demons are going to be stronger and, and, and more efficient at causing, the, causing people issues than the demons we deal with today because they are dressed for battle. They know their time is short. They know that, they, that their opportunity to take people into the kingdom of hell for all of eternity is very short. They understand that they've got to put extreme people on the pressure, under pressure to get them to reject God and get them into the kingdom of God. Does into that the make sense? Of Satan. I mean, into the kingdom of Satan. Do, do we, does this make sense? Okay. Let's keep going. All right. And the six angels Okay, uh, oh. 12. One woe is past, and behold, there come two woes more hereafter. And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels, which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loosed which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay the third part of men. These angels, God did not prepare these angels, these messengers. In fact, God bound these messengers in, under the river Euphrates. They were bound. But God is a God of law, and he understands that Satan and his messengers must have a time and a season where they can have free reign over the earth with zero restriction. So God has held them in restriction for as long as he possibly can. So if the locust demons don't get people, the, the, the point of the locust demons is to get people so distressed and so bitter and so angry towards God that when, this, when these four demons are released, these four demons are going to be able to cause a third part of man left on the earth to reject God, and, and, and by doing so, they will take part in the second death, which is eternal damnation in hell, eternally separated from God. God does not want them separated. God wants every person that experiences these attacks of Satan to come to him. If during this time people call on the name of Jesus, Jesus will save them. Jesus will take them into the kingdom. But they're going to have to endure a season of extreme demonic activity upon the earth. They're going to have to endure it. It's better for us to endure it now and go out of here in the rapture. What, what we need to do is we need to look at this and say, rather these things come out of the earth looking like, they, like, like it's describing them, or rather these things come out of the earth operating as demons behind the scenes that I can't see. Either way, I don't want any part of this. That's what we need to take away from this is I don't want any part of this. I want to get my life right now, I want to go out of here in the rapture now, and I need to be telling people, listen, if you can't stand against the devil today, there ain't no, 
chances of you surviving them in the last tribulation is going to be rough. Is going to be rough. That's the takeaway that we need to take. Let's keep going just a little bit more. All right, so for to slay the third part of men. And the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000 thousand. Innumerable number of demons. Yes, but so many you can't count them. And I heard the number of them. And thus I saw the horses in the vision. And them that sat on them, having breastplates of fire and of jacinth and brimstone. And the heads of the horses were as the heads of lions. And out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. Notice what's it say. How does it, how, where does it, where does this come from? Out of their mouths are issued fire, smoke, and brimstone. How does the devil get to people today? Through the words of his mouth. How do demons take people down today? Through the words of their mouth. The over in Thessalonians, Miss Bridget pointed it out a couple of weeks ago, um, that it, over, I think it's in Thessalonians, it might be Timothy, I'm pretty sure it's Thessalonians though, it says that during, the, during this time of, of tribulation, that there would be a great deluge of, um, I just lost my word, well, deception, a great deluge of deception. Which means these, these demons that are going to be operating on the earth are going to deceive people. They're going to deceive people. All right. Verse 18. By these three was the third part of men killed. By the fire and by the smoke and by the brimstone which issued out of their mouths. Now, we, we said earlier that people are going to live at this point. They can't die. Physically. Right? I mean, because why would it say in the, in the first part of this chapter that they can't die, and then in the second part it says the third of them are all going to die? It's spiritual. Right. It's, yeah. Yes. Right. Third part of man, that's another indicator. So of the people that are left, a third of them are going to reject God. A third of them are going to spiritually die. Okay. All right. Let's keep reading. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails. For their tails were like unto serpents and had heads, um, and with them they do hurt. This actually describes a demon-possessed person. Look at what it says. It says their power is in their mouth. They have a head. And in their tails. What are their tails? Were like unto serpents and had heads. That means there's another head in there. And with them, they do hurt. This is describing a demon-possessed person. During the seven years of tribulation, there is going to be a large quantity of people that are going to be demon-obsessed, demon-oppressed, and even demon-possessed. And these demons are going to get these people to lead people astray. This is why you have to, this is why I said you have to understand this book is all about the first and the second death. It's not about physical death. You have to understand that we can't, that there is a physical death, and God said physical death has already been dealt with. At this point, physical death has already been dealt with. At this point, what we're dealing with is spiritual death currently and spiritual death for all of eternity. Okay? So at this point on the earth, there are going to be people that are physically alive, 
but have rejected God, that means that they have experienced the first death. And we'll see later when the second death comes. Okay? All right. And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk. Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. Now, I told Pastor Mike, I said, when I was younger in the Lord, and there was a lot of things about the Lord that I didn't understand, and a lot about the spiritual realm that I did not understand, I thought, just like he thought, that these were actual demon locusts that had these teeth of lions and hair of women and faces of men and and stingers of scorpions, like I thought that was the, I thought literally that's what these things were going to look like. I thought literally there were going to be horsemen and they're going to open their mouth and fire is going to come out of them. I thought that was literally true also. But I have read this and read this and read this and I've learned so much about the spirit that I think that the, what he's seen, he's seen everything in the spirit, but it's going to look very different in the world. It's going to look like what we're dealing with today, only much, much, much heavier demonic influence and the reason is the reason is i want you to think about you if you're living in the day that these things come out of the ground and attack the earth and you're living in the day that these horsemen come out and they're shooting fire everywhere do you think your priority is going to be to worship devils of idols uh, to worship devils and idols and gold and silver and brass and stone and wood and to be murderous and fornicators and sorcerers and thieves, I think you're going to think, uh, I have bigger issues right now. I think I have bigger problems right now. So I really think that following the Bible beginning to end, that this is what's occurring in the spirit realm, and it's going to look just like it looks today, only much heavier. Much, much heavier. Much, much stronger. You're gotten, when you go to resist the devil in the time of tribulation, and you say, uh, no, in the name of Jesus, they're going to be, because they're coated in armor, they're going to be like, really? Think about how devils and demons resist you now. Think about how they're going to resist when they're, when they're dressed for armor. Dressed for battle. And see, if you were able to use the, if you were, we if, won't be if here. you were able to use the name of Jesus, you wouldn't be there anyways. But here's the deal. Because everybody keeps going, but I'm not going to have to endure this. You're right. If you're a born-again, true believer of Jesus Christ, you've made him the Lord of your life, and you get raptured, you're not here. But your loved ones that aren't walking the walk, your loved ones that have rejected Jesus, your loved ones that claim, oh, yeah, I know Jesus, but they are living like the devil, they're going to be here. They're going to be here. So it's not enough to say, oh, thank God, I'm not here, and, and just push this thing off to the side. No, they're going to be here. Our job today is to say, listen, it's rough now. You don't want to be here when the church gets called out. You want to go with me now. Get your ticket on the bus now. Does this make sense? We'll talk about that even more later. Yeah, not today, though. We'll talk about it later, next week. We are way, way, way over on time. Yeah. Let's pray. Let's take up the tithes. Let's take up the offerings. Let's close this thing. Hey, we made it through one chapter. Yeah, pray. 
All right. Glory to uh, God. Lord, we thank you for, for this word. We thank you for your revelation. We we ask that, that uh, this fall on good ground, that we that we learn and that we meditate on this throughout the week and that we get it down on the inside of us so that we know just what we need to do, that we know just what we need to say to those around us so that, that when the fruit comes in our life, we can share it with others and that they, they will be enlightened as well and that they might not suffer the end fate of being here through the tribulations. Thank you, we thank you, Lord, for this revelation. We thank you for, for helping us and leading us and guiding us. Lord, we love you, and therefore we give into your kingdom. We give pressed down, shaken together, and running over so that, that your work can be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, we, do, we give with a grateful heart because we know that you have provided a way for us to not have to go through that. And, and you have given so much more than we could ever, ever even dream to give. And you are worth it, Lord. And we love you. Jesus we thank mighty you. name. Amen. amen and amen. Satan, take your hands off the money. Release it and let it go. Angels, go get the finances. Go get the increase. Go get the favor. Go get the provision. Prepare the pathways. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. amen. Father, I give online, but Father, I thank you for increase. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. you serve the people. Thank you, Lord.